Again, thank the music team. If you will, please turn in your Bibles to Psalm 136. Or you can also look there on your bulletin, our call to worship. We'll have our one verse this morning. We're going to be looking at biblical thanksgiving this morning. We're taking a break from our sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. The next passage in our series was going to be on divorce. So I thought we would hold off on that one for Thanksgiving, if that's okay with you. Next Sunday, we'll begin our Christmas sermon series on the prophecy of Christmas. So I hope that you will join us during this Advent Christmas season as we anticipate, as we worship our Lord. Psalm 136, verse 1. This is God's word to us. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let's pray. Father, we do come this morning to give you thanks and to give you praise. And now, Lord, we ask that by your Holy Spirit, would you speak to us, would you instruct our hearts from your word? Would you help us to see clearly what truth you have here to lay upon our hearts? We pray this in Christ's name, amen. What is Thanksgiving week? I know that commercial America has decided to move on with Christmas, <laughs> but we're going to hold Thanksgiving down here today, if that's okay, and we're going to celebrate together up at Montesano Lodge after Sunday school, so do hope that you, will, that you will join us. But perhaps the most religious holiday that we celebrate in America is Thanksgiving. If you search the scriptures, you'll be hard-pressed to find Christians, believers, celebrating a Christmas holiday or even an Easter holiday. But you'll absolutely see over and over in Scripture the call to thanksgiving and celebration, especially in the Old Testament around different Jewish feasts where they would celebrate and give praise to God, thanking Him for His wondrous works. But in America, we do love thanksgiving. It has a lot of history, a lot of deep roots. It was in 1863 that President Abraham Lincoln declared a national holiday of Thanksgiving to be on the last Thursday of the month of November. And ever since then, every president has followed suit proclaiming Thanksgiving to be that day. In his proclamation, he actually issued a, a presidential proclamation regarding Thanksgiving, and this is what Lincoln said. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. Pretty cool. Our, one of our presidents said that, declared thanksgiving. But the truth is that the times and days of thanksgiving have 
long been celebrated by God's people. It's not just an American holiday. It's not just some way to Americanize the world and make it a religious holiday. God's people, as we've said before, have always set aside special times of thanksgiving and and celebration and feasting and gratitude for what the Lord has done. So thanksgiving is certainly a time to reflect and be thankful for the many blessings that we have and all that God has done. And it is cause for celebration, cause for feasting, cause for worship. But what is Thanksgiving biblically? How do we understand what the Bible teaches regarding Thanksgiving? We are to thank God for his many blessings, yes, but we need, to, we need more Thanksgiving in our lives. We need more Thanksgiving in our, in our worship. Because biblical Thanksgiving is more than just thanking God for our many blessings. It's more than just looking at the material things that God has done for us, thanksgiving, biblically, is an act of worship. And so we come before the Lord this morning with thanksgiving because we are worshiping the Lord. In Scripture, you will find that thanksgiving is a key element of biblical worship. It has great emphasis in the Scriptures. It saturates prayers. Thanksgiving is the response of learning more and more and growing deeper and deeper in the knowledge of Christ and of the glorious gospel. The gospel throughout all of scriptures, the good news, it moves us to thanksgiving. We give thanks. So for us to understand just one place the Bible talks about thanksgiving, we're going to look at Psalm 136 specifically at verse 1. We read this psalm at the beginning as a call to worship, and that is actually what it was written for. It was a congregational response of thanks. Uh, At risk of us sounding too robotic, I didn't have you, the congregation, say his steadfast love endures forever 26 different times. (laughs) But that is what it is. It's about thanking God for his steadfast love, and it was to be recited in worship. In Jewish tradition, this, that Psalm, Psalm 136 is called the Great Hillel. Hillel. You have to say it with kind of a phlegm in your mouth, so I won't do that. <laughs> but it sounds like what? Hallelujah. The great psalm of praise. Psalm 136, we can observe, if you look down through that psalm, many different areas in which the Lord is praised enthusiastically. He's praised for his goodness in verses 1 through 3. In verses 4 through 9, the Lord's power in creation is praised. In verses 10 through 20, the Lord's mighty acts in history are praised. And in the last section, the people give thanks for the Lord's salvation and for his present care over their lives. Psalm 136 would be most worthy of your time during this holiday season meditate upon the Lord and to give him thanks. But as we've said before, Psalm 136, specifically verse 1, takes us deeper than God's just material blessings to us. Psalm 136, 1 shows us that we are to give thanks as an act of worship to God 
And it's not just rooted in what God has done for us materially, but what God has done for us eternally and who God is eternally. It's not just what God has done for us materially, it's who God is eternally that we give him thanks and that we give him praise. God is good, he is love, and therefore we give him thanks. I want us to understand biblical thanksgiving from this verse by looking at three different Hebrew words. Okay, now I'm not going to do this to show you how smart I am or to make you smarter. (laughs) I want us to look at these three Hebrew words because they're just chock full of meaning and, and, and richness that sometimes the English language doesn't get across. So these three Hebrew words are tob, hesed, and yadah. So the first word I want us to look at is tob, which is where we get our English word translated in your English Bibles, good. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Here the word good is not just referring to the moral quality of God. The psalmist does not just say, you know, God is a good person. It's much more than that. To say that God is good is defining a a central attribute of his character. Yahweh God, the God of the Bible, covenant God. He is himself good. He is the essence of good. He is the good. And so that's what biblical thanksgiving does. It moves us beyond the blessings. It moves us beyond the material. And we look to God himself. He is good. And that's what, where, we, where we fail. That's where we fall short as believers. That's where we are frail and, and weak in our faith. Because we solely want to look at the blessings. We solely want to look at what God has done for us materially. And to look at our present circumstances to judge whether God is good or not. Yes, God cares about our lives. He cares about our circumstances. But he, he gives us more than just good fortune. He gives us more than just material blessings. God gives us himself. He is good. And he gives himself to us. The original Anglo-Saxon word for God would have been something like good, good, (laughs) where we get God. And what the meaning of the word was trying to say is that he is the good, good, God. He is, he's God and he is, he is good. He is the sunum bonum, the, the sum of all good. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. In this Thanksgiving time, we look naturally to the, to the old guys, to the Puritans, to the saints of old, to help us understand that God is good. And I want to read to you a quote from Charles Spurgeon, the great English preacher who said this about the Lord and him being good. Essentially, he is good itself. Practically all that he does is good. Relatively, he is good to his creatures. Let us thank him for that. 
we have seen, he's proved and, and tasted that he is good. He is good beyond all others. Indeed, he alone is good. He is the highest, in the highest sense, he is good. He is the source of good. He's the good of all good. He's the sustainer of good. He's the perfecter of good and the rewarder of good. God is good. You know, Thanksgiving is a, is a joyous time of year. It, it, we're all thinking about, okay, what day am I going to go get my Christmas tree? <laughs> what day are we going to start eating and celebrating? And I'll start my diet later. <laughs> it marks the beginning, Thanksgiving does, of a season of celebration. However, I think it's important for us to remember that this time of year is not so joyous for everyone. Because the holidays can be reminders of difficult family situations. Uh, they can be painful reminders of, of loved ones that we've lost and we're so used to celebrating with. So how can we give thanks to God for his goodness when life is hard, when we may be reminded of, of death and pain, when we may... Think about the struggles of our, of our nation and of our world. I mean, how in the world can we give thanks to God in all of this? And this is where we turn to the scriptures. This is where we turn to the Psalms. This is where we become biblically informed and see that the psalmist calls us to move beyond our circumstances, to move beyond what, what might be happening in our present lives. And to look to God himself. Because he is the source of all good. Give thanks to the Lord. For he is good. We move beyond what we can see. And we look to him. He is good. God is good. The second word I want us to look at there. In your English Bibles may be translated his steadfast love or his loving kindness. And this is a very rich biblical Hebrew word, hesed. Hesed. Hesed is that wonderful Hebrew word that means God's steadfast love, his loving kindness, his unfailing love. It's the best love. It's his loyal love that is based upon his covenant relationship with his people where Yahweh God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. Hesed is the quality of God that invokes a response of obedience in us, a response of, of praise and of thanksgiving because of his steadfast love, because of his loving kindness. His hesed love is his special love that comes to us through his covenant promises. God's chesed love is what makes him so good. His steadfast love endures forever. The scripture is full of speaking of God's covenant love, his steadfast love, his enduring love. And we can look to the New Testament. In the New Testament equivalent, I think of this verse as and found in Romans 8, some say the greatest chapter in all the Bible. And in Romans 8, verse 32, the Apostle Paul 
gives this summary of God's ultimate promise and love to us where he says, rhetorically he says, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? If God has met our ultimate need, sending his one and only son as a sacrifice for sin so that we may be right with God, how will he not also give us everything we need? This symbolizes God's great love. This Hebrew word hesed could also be termed mercy. This psalm could speak of God's everlasting mercy, his everlasting kindness to his people. God's mercy, his steadfast love, his loving kindness. The, the psalmist says, it endures forever. His love has no end. It goes on and on and on and on for eternity. God's love is everlasting. It doesn't wear out. It doesn't get old. It doesn't tire. It is forever. That's how wonderful Hesed love is. Charles Spurgeon again says, Everlasting mercy, then, is perfect mercy, which shuts out all imperfections of time, beginning, end, succession. And such is God's mercy. Such is God's love. It's perfect. It is not bound to time. It's not bound to the present. It's everlasting. Everlasting and everlasting. He is good and he is love. And so the psalmist again calls us to look to God himself, not only as the source of all good, but he is a loving, covenant-keeping God whose steadfast love, whose enduring love, whose wonderful love endures forever. It lasts forever. Give thanks to the Lord for his hesed love is forever and ever. So now that we have briefly observed the, the goodness of God, and we've glorified God because of his hesed love, what is to be our response? How do we respond to this good and loving God? The psalmist says, give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks. The Hebrew word here is yada. Sounds like childish babble. Yada, to give thanks, to give praise. It's where we get this English phrase, to give thanks. It means to, to express praise, to, to extol the Lord, to, to make a public profession of faith, giving God thanks. In the Bible, yada is always used in conjunction with praising Yahweh God. We give Him thanks. We give him praise. And because God is good, and because of his hesed love, we give him thanks. We move beyond the things. We move beyond the material. And we look to God himself. And we give him thanks. 
and we give him praise for who he is. And he is good. Yes, he does provide. Yes, he does give him us blessings. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. But we give him thanks for who he is. We look to, the, to God in biblical thanksgiving. And as we give him thanks, as we give him praise, we first and foremost look to the gospel. We look to his great love for us in Jesus Christ and see all that he has done for us in Christ. And we give him praise. So the Puritan John Owen instructs us here. He says, all our thoughts concerning Christ and his glory should be accompanied with admiration, adoration, and thanksgiving. For this, the glory of Christ is such an object of our thoughts and affections as in this life we can never fully comprehend. It's an ocean whose depths cannot look into. If we are spiritually renewed, all the faculties of our souls are enabled by grace to exert their respective powers towards this glorious object. What Owen is saying there is, may we eternally, with all of our hearts, come to God in thanksgiving and praise because of who he is for us in Christ. In Jewish tradition, Psalm 136, the the great Hallel, was most commonly associated with the Jewish feast of Passover. So during the Passover feast, this would be a liturgical psalm or song that would be sung and recited by the people. You may recall, or you may not, but let me just tell you what the Passover feast is. The Passover feast was the kind of the pinnacle of all of the holidays or holy days of, the, of Israel. And during the Passover, they celebrated, they worshiped, they gave thanks to Yahweh, their God, for passing over their sins. You remember from the story of the great Exodus, and upon God's judgment upon Egypt, the final and last symbol of his wrath and judgment was to send the angel of death into Egypt and to destroy all the firstborn of Egypt. But he instructed his people to take a blood sacrifice, a lamb or a goat, for the heads of households to take that blood and to put it over the door frames of their houses and of their gates. And when the angel of death, when the spirit of of death would visit those homes, God would pass over those homes and death would not visit those homes. So the feast of Passover was instituted to celebrate that God had passed over their sins and that he had spared them, that he had shown his great love toward his people. And so Psalm 136 celebrated this, gave thanks to God, praised God for this, thanked him for his wonderful acts of salvation. But in the New Testament church, we don't quite celebrate the Passover feast 
like the Jews of old. Because for us, the Passover feast takes on an even greater meaning. As we read in our New Testament where Jesus actually hijacks the Passover feast. And he says, no, this feast, this celebration, the bread and wine, it's, it's about me. Jesus says, and for what I'm going to do for my people. And so he takes the Lord's Supper, the Holy Communion. And we see now that it is a celebration of the great salvation that God has secured for us. For sinners. Because of the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. And in a sense... The Lord has passed over our sins because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so with that knowledge, we come now this morning, we celebrate this day together with thanksgiving because of what the Lord has done. We give thanks because of the gospel. We give thanks to God the Father because he has given us Jesus Christ, his son. God is good. His steadfast love through Jesus Christ endures forever. Let us come before him with thanksgiving, with that knowledge. Let's pray. Father, we pray that, again, by your Spirit, that you would illumine our minds and hearts and help us to move beyond what we can just taste and what we can just see and what we can just experience and to look to you and to see what you have done to secure a salvation for us for all of eternity. We thank you that you have met our greatest need by sending your son as a sacrifice for us sinners. So Lord, with that knowledge, with the glory, with the beauty of the gospel, we give you thanks. Lord, help us to come before you with thanksgiving and to praise you forever and ever. Amen.